Let's get right into it. You know what it is. It's Wednesday at 6 o'clock. That's Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. I'm Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com, and Julio Sanchez. Well, Pete Sweeney. I went straight to the producer, Julio Sanchez. I just said editor-in-chief thinking people already know you, Pete. We are so blessed with Julio's presence. It's just been so long since Julio and I have worked together, so I I appreciate that. I've been out with you before, and you say, you don't ever give your name. You're like, you don't know my name. You better ask somebody. That's right. That's right. Like the road dog, Jesse James. That's right. That's right. But it's a little bit what the Chiefs did uh, this past weekend at the New Orleans Saints in the number two ranked defense in the NFL. But let me start here, Pete. All right. Um, we like we always do injury report, kind of let people know they're off on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and we kind of get the first feel of who's practicing and who's not, so we can pay attention to it as we roll through the week. Tyree Kill, mm. Clyde, of course, we, we knew Clyde wouldn't practice this week. Damien Wilson still with the knee. Anthony Hitchens on the COVID reserve list. Don't know if he's close contact. If he's close contact, he could play. If he's on the COVID list, obviously he's not. If he's got that, but we don't know which way it is, uh, and. Uh, Andy Reid said Tyreek Hill's hamstring tightened up a little bit uh, during the game. We also didn't know about the pickle juice, um, which, by the way, is very good. I, I, I've used pickle juice for cramps as well. Yeah, you can and, rub uh, it on if you don't want to drink it. Yeah, it's good. You ever had it? Yeah, I've had it. I, yeah, of yeah. course. Who doesn't drink pickle juice? And Mike Rimmers, full go. That's the big news right there. Well, the big news is Tyreek Hill with the hamstring, but it looks like they just wanted to give it a day of rest. Yeah. We'll find out a lot more, I think, tomorrow if he's out there or not. Right. So we got Anthony Hitchens on the COVID list, so he won't appear in the injury report. The, once you're on the COVID list, you don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah, we don't know if it's close Par- contact. or Reports do say that it is close contact. I You don't know what the timetable is on that because you don't know when the la- they last saw the person. Sometimes if it's a high-risk close contact, it'll be five days. So we're not really sure on Hitchens right now, but he could play this weekend. Again, it's super unknown. Tyree Kill, an off day, I, I know it is concerning to – some Chiefs fans, but I tend to think it's just a relax the injury type of day. I I think you might see a limited status or even a no practice on Thursday, and I would think full or limited on Friday, and then he ultimately plays in this game. It's not coming off to me as an injury that's going to cost him the game against the Atlanta Falcons. Don't expect Clyde Edwards-Alaire to play. I don't really expect Damian Wilson to play. At this point, another yeah. did not practice for him. You're right. Mike Remmers is a full practice. I, I wonder what the Chiefs do here because I know that they've been trying to get Wisniewski in the lineup, and I don't know if they would necessarily want to take out Andrew Wiley. So it does make for an interesting sub-storyline of this game as we focus on the bye week is what will the offensive line look like in this game? Well, they did rush for the their second-highest total of the year, 179 against the Saints. 254 was the high water mark against the Buffalo Bills, which, by the way, if you're following along wondering about the Buffalo Bills, they've given up 200 yards rushing in the, all three of their losses. That's got to be a concern uh, for them. But the 179 yards on the game on the ground, the interesting thing is, so Wiley scoots out to tackle. Mm-hmm. Rimmers, uh, it, of course, was out for the game. But then we saw a situation where Wisniewski is actually a left guard. Like, he started last year at left guard. Right. Started the Super Bowl left guard. And when he's with the Eagles, he was on that Super Bowl champion team with Doug Peterson. Yeah. Started left guard. That's not easy. Like, if you ever think about your, your pivot foot when you're backing up from your right leg mirror, to yeah. the left leg, it's it's uh, it's unusual. But so, I thought he did a good job. Says a lot, I think, about the second-year player in Allegretti 
as well. The fact that you're right, Wisniewski played left guard. If you're trying to get him in the lineup, maybe you would want to put him in that position. But Allegretti, after the Osemele injury, has really played his way to being the guy there. And so kudos to him for locking up that spot in year two. I think it's between Allegretti and Wisniewski, what they do at the at the left guard position going forward. I bet Wiley goes back to right guard. That's just my guess. Yeah. Um, they're going to tinker with it. I, I liken the offensive line to a bullpen in Major League Baseball where you ask the manager what a 7, 8, the ninth guy are back in April and May. They'll say, I don't know yet. I won't know that till June. You know, we lock in those specific roles, but they'll be tinkering and, with and, the offensive and, line. And Andy Reid's frequent quote is the best five. So he's That's going right. to figure out who the best five are and then fit the positions after that. So curious to see what the lineup is against the Falcons. With everybody back except for Schwartz, who I don't expect back this year, I think you're probably seeing the starting five the rest of the way against the Falcons because everyone will be available. Yeah, I just don't know if – I told you last week we did this. I was like, once Wazanusi gets in there, I don't see him. Me neither. Me, yeah. I, that guy was uh, – The pack is ready. Well, the thing is, this week uh, you could I, have two starters in the game that weren't at training camp or anything else on one of the, in the greatest offense in the NFL, Le'Veon Bell and, of course, Stefan Wisniewski. Real quick, go. what was your favorite play of that game? Was it the Hardman catch in the back of the end zone, <laughs> which we, we always say this, and I know it's knee-jerk reaction. Every throw, Pat Mahomes, we're like – the best one I've ever seen. That actually could be considered one of the best I've ever seen. Or the Tyree Kill play. It just showed creativity where he goes in motion. It's like yeah, the show I game would, with the peanut where you move around like this and he goes in motion five ways. I'd and favor, then the option play to Bell. Yeah, I'd favor the Hill play. I thought the Hardman play was impressive because it even tricked Jim Nance. Yeah. He, he thought it was incomplete, and it really did look complete from that broadcast angle. And then you see the replay, and you're like, oh, my God. He caught that, and he got two feet in. That's a touchdown. So you're going Tyreek Hill? I like the Hill play, and I said this the other day, too. I, it just is such a moment of Mahomes and Hill being on the same page. If if you really watch it, they shook off Marshawn Lattimore, and then Hill kind of leaked in and found a soft spot, and Mahomes was just watching for the time to pull the trigger. It's just, I think, showing the chemistry and, and rapport of this offense. Marshawn Lattimore selected between Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Sandwich. Right, right between them. That was interesting. Hill lines up in the backfield. Now goes in motion. Left, now right. Now back to the left again. Peeling out to the right side. Spinning out is Mahomes. Fires it late. Tyreek Hill caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. And Tyreek Hill gets the game's first touchdown and his 15th touchdown receiving this season. That ties an all-time Kansas City Chiefs record of Dwayne Bowe back in 2010 with the 15th time receiving. I went with the option plays to play of the game in the Arrowhead Pride postgame show because the option is fantastic. But the way it was run, the effectiveness of it, Patrick Mahomes, you're always scared. Well, you have to be a little bit nervous when your quarterback is yeah. on an option play in the NFL because you're going to get crunched. That's why the NFL doesn't run pure option because mm-hmm. the quarterback's highly paid. But he pitches it and doesn't even get touched. Right. That was the amazing thing. He ran an option without getting touched. And really, Le'Veon Bell didn't either. Bell, too, has been in the league since 13. So as long as Andy Reid has been in Kansas City. And after the game, he called it the easiest touchdown of his sure. career. By the way, going back to that, uh, Mitch clip. Does Mitch have the best play-by-play job in the world where he, 
pre-snap, he's going, and he'll goes right, and left, left and right again, and <laughs> left. Well, now he's going right again. It's it's a very fun offense, well, I, I would imagine, to call. It is, and, and McCole Hardman, it was a great call on the punt return. Jet fuel, get your boarding pass. I, I just love it. It's perfect for the post-game show. It says, I've always listened to Mitch. <laughs> My daddy used to listen to him every game. He'd sit there and listen to the headset yeah. and watch the game. Speaking of Le'Veon Bell, Pete, uh, you ask Andy Reid today this question. Go next to Pete Sweeney. Good, Pete. <laughs> Coach, I know there's no update on Clyde, and, and Bell's coming off a really good game. A week ago, you said you had wished you had him a little bit earlier. If Clyde does need to miss a little bit of time here, do you think there's enough to handle the load, and he's been here long enough to handle what would be a full load along with, uh, I guess, Darren Williams kind of spelling? Yeah, well, you've you got, yeah, you got um, you know, a few guys in there. So, I mean, it's uh, – uh, I, I think we're okay at that spot. Uh, and – Le'Veon, I felt like the last couple of weeks he he's um, – well, let me preface it with this. He's very smart. So don't – this has nothing to do with that part. He's, he's really intelligent and he loves playing. So that's the positive part, and that's why he's been able to pick it up so fast. But just where you kind of know your guys and then the blocking schemes, you got to learn those, and you have to have enough reps on them to get that feel that these guys have. And um, so I, I – you know, I just, that's where I wished I had him just a little bit earlier, but, but we're good. I mean, he's, he's in a good place. He, he's, uh, he, he can see it and feel it now. And, and, uh, and so we'll, we'll be okay there if, if Clyde, you know, can't go. And, um, if Clyde can, then we've got, you know, we, we've still got him in there rotating and that's, that's been uh, beneficial. You had stat to Andy Reed, uh, the other day, but you weren't done, Pete. You went straight to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> hey, Patrick, a lot of people always talk about sort of the mind meld between you and Kelsey and, and Hill. And I'm curious now that Clyde might be out of the mix for a little bit here. Where are you with that when it comes to the rapport with Le'Veon Bell? And how confident are you that he's ready for the top snaps in this opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely confident. I mean, uh, he's had success everywhere, everywhere he's been. I mean, he's been a top running back for a long time now, and I think he's he fits into our locker room really, really well. And so uh, he's done he's done a great job in the amount of snaps that he's gotten so far, and I'm sure that he'll keep continue to do better and better as he gets more and more snaps. And as long as long as oh gosh, as long as the uh, the other running backs in that room, I mean, we got a lot of guys that have gotten reps in this offense and that are ready to step up and whenever their name number gets called. So you got to the bottom of this, Pete. You not only ask Andy, but you asked Patrick Mahomes. And the way right. I interpreted Andy, and I'd like to get your reaction on this with Andy Reid, he, he wished he would have had him earlier. But it sounds, you know, they were bringing him along. This offense is not easy to get right away. And right. He, they obviously trust him because guess what? That second touchdown to Kelsey, that quick pitch from Mahomes was actually a pass, quick pass from He was in the game. Like, he was in the game on that drive. Right. And I think it's it's a trial by fire type of deal. And you could learn and Clyde could have the majority of the reps. And until you really get in there and have the top snaps, I, I think that's how you truly learn with anything. And I think Bell will have that opportunity now. I also think that Daryl Williams will be in the mix. I don't think it's a scenario where now that Clyde's out, you're going to see Le'Veon Bell for 100% of the time. I think Daryl Williams is going to get his time as well. I think it actually might make for a better scenario for the Chiefs because pass protection is of the utmost importance. We were just talking about the offensive line for like five or six minutes, and that's not really always a good sign in Week 16. But with that in mind, you have one of the best pass protectors at running back in the league now with Le'Veon Bell, and maybe Darrell Williams is your answer. I know the Chiefs have been searching 
all season long Trust for that him. third down type of back. Maybe that's what Daryl Williams can do for you. Chiefs defense gave up no first downs in the first quarter. Legereus Sneed with an interception, a sack. He had an incredible game mm-hmm. and held the Saints that were 46%, fifth in the NFL in third down conversions, kept them to 46%. You, Pete, get the question of the week to the Honey Badger. The run last year, the defense was really clicking on all cylinders. You yourself had called it championship swagger. It really felt like that was a strong point of the team. Do you feel that you guys are there? And if not, how close are you to getting there again? Well, I would hope so. Um, you know, I think, you know, we, we, we've done a lot of great things defensively. Um, I think we're still reaching, you know, for, you know, really our best game. Um, I, I still don't I still don't think we, we've put together our best game yet. Um, and I'm hoping that game will come. Uh, against the Falcons uh, this Sunday, um, which, like I mentioned, they they got great talent on offense, uh, a lot of explosive receivers. I think Matt Ryan can can still throw the football, you know, at a high level. And so uh, we'll have that opportunity. We'll have that challenge to kind of go out here um, and really try our best to put together a, a defensive game that that we all can can really be happy about. It was a good question. Championship swagger. Do you feel that they're starting? I mean, let's look at this. Six of the last eight games, they've allowed 104 yards rushing or less. They've outran their last two opponents, kept the Saints mm. the 60 yards. Yeah, my take on it is I think they're getting there. I think that Legereus Sneed now in that nickelback position has really allowed Tyron Matthew to cook. Hashtag <laughs> Tyron Cook. We can ask Craig Stout <laughs> a little bit uh, about that a little bit later. But – and. When Matthew's playing well, it just seems like the rest of the defense plays well. And I, I believe that there are some things that they could re- can correct, and we can talk to Craig about this moving forward. But they're, they're about a play or two away from being able to pull away in these games. And I think Tyron Matthew senses that, and that's what he means by having played our best game yet. I mean, they did, I believe, hold the New York Jets to nine points. I don't, the New York Jets don't really count. So you want to do it against. That's the Rams if they count. A, a high. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Good, good point by you. Good, good counterpoint. Touche. But I think they they want to do it against an offense they can consider legitimate. And I, I think the Falcons, with or without Julio Jones, we'll see. I think they're they're right there. They do have Calvin Ridley and so on and so forth. Matt Ryan certainly is no slouch. So let's see how they do this weekend. We're going to be talking to Ken Swanson in just a second. The offensive uh, for offensive talk, uh, Kent Swanson of ArrowheadPride.com. I'll save it till the end, but at the end, I want to take listener questions. And I want to get to one of your questions to Andy Reid because I think we're all talking about it. How is What is the approach <laughs> okay. to the last two games? Yeah, sounds good to me. I, yeah, it, it, it was. We need to talk this. It was pretty straightforward, and, yeah. uh, and uh, we can check that out at the end yeah. of the show. We're going to get to that, but we'll, next we'll talk to Kent Swanson about the Chiefs offense. Kent Swanson of Arrowhead Pride next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley, Editor-in-Chief, Julio Sweeney. Oh, Pete <laughs> Not Julio. And joining us now, at Kent underscore Swanson, offense, KC Draft Guide, you name it for ArrowheadPride.com. We talk Chiefs offense with him. It's Kent Swanson. Good evening, Kent. Boys, pleasure to be on with you. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that good stuff if I don't talk to you before then. Same to you, uh, Kent. And this was a fun game. You had to enjoy this. I mean, the Chiefs have 65 points in the last two weeks against the number two and the number four scoring defense in the NFL. I asked Pete a few seconds ago what his favorite offensive play was. The Tyree kill, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth motion. 
the sick catch by McCole Hardman in the back of the end zone, which mm-hmm. I think could be a Patrick Mahomes top three throw. I'll ask you because uh, I'd like to hear your opinion on that. And I enjoyed the option play to Le'Veon Bell. What was yours? Uh, I really like that little sneaky little sneak to uh, to Tyree Kill. I'm with Pete. I hate to agree with Pete. Yeah, that's right. Like, just despise it. Thank you, man. Uh, I... Oh, sorry. Go, Pete. No, thanks for backing me up. Yeah, I appreciate it. I've got you, bro. I got you. Uh, <laughs> that little play was beautiful. Just the creativity to kind of just kind of just sneak, sneak, you know, Tyree Kill behind everybody flowing there. Chef's kiss. But that was a fun game overall. I really enjoyed watching Mahomes and the offense kind of carve up the Saints, even though the Saints were celebrating like they were doing anything to stop the team that scored 32 points. Now, Kent, we are probably going to see Patrick Mahomes, I would say almost 100% going to see him for the last time in the regular season on Sunday. Are they ready for the playoffs? Is he ready and in playoff form and good to go on this run-it-back playoff tour? Oh, yeah. I, I'm supremely confident that Patrick Mahomes is ready. Like, that stat line wasn't perfect for Mahomes this week. I think something like 26 mm-hmm. 47 250-ish yards, three touchdowns. Like, it was still an impressive stat line, but Mahomes was on one. He was absolutely dealing. The, some of the plays that, that we missed out on, that throw to McCole Harvin down the sidelines, a perfect 50-yard bomb across the field. Uh, you know, there's a drop uh, on by, I believe, Sammy Watkins. Some guys kind of let him down on some plays. He was He was locked in. I think he took that opportunity to go up against Drew Brees, go up against what some people think is the best team in the NFC very seriously, and, and he showed up. Obviously, you know, you want you know, with the, the supporting cast to kind of be on point, but it's not going to be about Mahomes. He's, he looks primed and ready to go. Nice final tune-up uh, with the Falcons, hopefully, and then they can kind of rest, get Chad Haney some time uh, against, uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers. Kenta's defense, they faced two stingy defenses, the last two weeks, the Miami Dolphins, not as good in total defense as the Saints, but they were the number two scoring defense in the NFL. This one, great rush defense. I mean, they're number two in the NFL, number four against the pass, number four in points against. Matter of fact, five of the last six games, they have allowed 16 points or fewer, and four of the six, 13 points or fewer, and the Chiefs still put up 32 points. And the bottom line is they were able to run the ball, Kent. We saw the second-best rushing performance out of this team with kind of a mix mix match uh, offensive line, most the Buffalo Bills at two fifty four or two forty five, excuse me. But the, really, they had a lot of success on the ground. Yeah, both the teams that you just talked about really were content to give up the running game. Like that was something that you kind of saw lighter boxes, and the Chiefs were running into it. That's part of the reason some of those run pass options that was run reads because of the box count. So you know the Saints were content to try to slow down the Chiefs and, or, you know, maybe just let them kind of get what they get between the 20s, tighten up in the red zone, which has been what some teams have tried to do. Um, and, you know, the Chiefs were able to run the ball with a lot of success this week, and that was obviously a great thing to see. But it wasn't because, you know, the Saints were selling out to stop the run. The Chiefs were just able to run it anyway. It was just a concerted effort to, you know, try to put numbers and bodies in the pass game to slow them down. But, hey, the Chiefs made them pay. They scored 32 points out of it. And it wasn't even an A plus performance. I'd give that I'd give that performance a B minus offensively, maybe. And you saw what happened. There's still a lot of success. Talking to our lead film and draft analyst, Kent Swanson of ArrowheadPride.com. Kent, I want to continue the conversation about running backs. 
We're not really sure with the high ankle sprain when Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be back. It means Le'Veon Bell gets the call up to that number one position. What does that mean to you? Well, I mean, obviously you want the depth there. You want Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Alaire so you have you know, a, a dynamic piece uh, at the running back position on any given play. I mean, that's basically what right. we saw, you know, a few snaps here and there from Daryl Williams, obviously. Uh, now you're going to get more of him. He's probably going to be your guy on those third downs. He's going to you know, spell Le'Veon Bell. You're going to see on first and second down most likely is my guess. So, um, you know, it, obviously you, you want, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, especially a guy that just was coming off of his best performance rushing the football um, and one of his best passing pass-catching performances, you know, two, two weeks ago against the Dolphins. He's kind of really coming to his own. It's really a shame that you're not going to get to see him, but they've got some, they've got some dudes still there. This is why the Chiefs signed Le'Veon Bell. And I know some people were upset uh, or didn't really want Le'Veon Bell in the mix all that much, but this is why you go out and grab a guy like that, that early in the season because now you've got someone with, you know, a ton of experience, a talented back, a dynamic back, who can come and step in and replace Clyde Edwards-Alaire just fine. The Chiefs are going to be fine at running back now. And the one thing about it is he ended up with 76 yards of total total offense between the ground and catching. The one thing is, Kent, it doesn't change anything offensively. I mean, with Le'Veon Bell's hands, you still get that, like Clyde. I mean, he he had 66 catches last year. But not only that, the Chiefs were splitting Le'Veon Bell out, like in the slot at different times. It shows their trust level in him in the passing game. Yeah, the good news is he's up to speed, so they can do. They, there's not going to be a drop off. There's not some play calls that you're really not going to be able to call with Le'Veon Bell. Um, you saw him run with some varying success um, at times this week, and you know he's got a very patient run style. Um, he's not. He's not explosive. Like Clyde is more explosive than than him as a runner, but I think the value in the passing game, you know, the ability and the diversity that he has, they're going to be fine. They're going to hold up just fine. Uh, and, you know, they're going to get enough out of the run game, I think, for this football team to continue to, you know, keep scoring points. Again, the Atlanta Falcons game is probably the last time we're going to see the first-team offense. Kent, what do you want to see on Sunday, considering that they might get rest Week 17 that will make you feel better about the playoff run? Well, I just want to see, I just want to see Travis Kelsey rack up all the yards, first <laughs> and foremost, because I want to see him get a few of those records. Yeah. Um, I think he's really relatively close to that, uh, you know, to that all-time tight end receiving yards mark. Uh, you know, give himself a chance to be in the top five in receiving yards by the end of the year with, you know, week, week 17 not mattering and they're probably not going to be playing. But, no, I just, you know, I want to see Patrick Mahomes be protected well. I don't want to yeah. see a ton of unnecessary shots for him. Uh, I want to see some explosive plays. Um, and I want to see – uh, you know, efficiency. I, I just come in and play an efficient, clean game. No drops, um, you know, high high percentage completion from Patrick Mahomes. Just show basic, you know, it's probably not going to be too crazy of an offensive reveal for them, but just, just be efficient with what you do. Score your points, put them on the board, uh, get that win, celebrate, and get rested for the playoffs because it's running through Arrowhead. Matt McMullen uh, tweeted out that uh, only the fourth player since 1950. Think about that. Only fourth player since 1950 with eight catches in seven consecutive games. Travis Kelsey. That's and think about all the players too bad. in this league. The fourth since 1950. Real quick, Kent. Uh, as far as the Atlanta Falcons, this pass defense is the worst in the NFL. Second to only the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, this this pass defense, 31st in the NFL. This could be the Mahomes game 
we've been waiting for to really do whatever he wants to kind of shore up things passing game on that offense. Oh, this is this is a definitely a, a confidence-building potential yes. game for this offense. <laughs> There's no doubt about it because, you know, it's, it's just the – it's all levels of this defense have had some struggles. They've really not been able to defend on the back end in the passing game. But part of that is because they can't rush the passer to save their life. Uh, this is one of the worst pass-rushing teams in the National Football League. And, you know, this should be a game where – the offensive line should have some confidence protecting Patrick Mahomes because there sh- there really isn't too many legitimate threats, um, you know, for this football team rushing the passer. I mean, they spent money on Dante Fowler, uh, and you know he hasn't done all that much this entire season. Um, so you know, there's they, they should be able to light thing, light this thing up. You know, challenge AJ Terrell, a rookie cornerback, has kind of had an up and down year. There's some there's some guys that they can pick on, get that confidence up light the scoreboard up, and hope the defense can stop a very good Falcons offense. It's the one and only Kent Swanson, at Kent underscore Swanson on Twitter, lead draft and film analyst for Arrowhead Pride, and also the KC Draft Guide as well. Plus, Hall & Oates once liked this tweet. Thanks, Kent. <laughs> Anytime, buddy. Hey, it's worth noting that... Which one's bio said? Kent's, <laughs> Kent's comrade, Matt Lane, hot off the press at arrowheadpride.com. Did a film review on Le'Veon Bell, how Le'Veon Bell can help Clyde Edwards-Alaire out. Check that out at arrowheadpride.com. And I will be checking that out uh, as soon as we get off, Pete. Craig Stout, defensive film analyst, arrowheadpride.com, as we take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs defense next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery, Jim Binkley, with the editor-in-chief. ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. Joining us now, the defensive film analyst for ArrowheadPride.com. His name is Craig Stout. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. At BarleyHop, you'll see some of the best defensive breakdowns you will see if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, guys. How we doing? Hey, we're Great, doing man. good, my friend. Good, good, good. This defense, Craig, you know, they keep doing some things that are really nice. They made now. I don't know if it's a combination of Drew Brees being a little rusty or what, but they made Drew Brees' completion percentage one of his worst of his career. No first downs in the first quarter. Held him held a very good third down offense to one of eleven. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Like the, you're starting to see maybe a few pieces here and there that the Chiefs' defense is really improving going into the end of the season. This was a team that I thought might give the Chiefs some fits. You know, the New Orleans Saints get the ball out quickly. They love to use their running backs in the passing game. And they have a really good offensive line that can block up a lot of these blitzes. You're not really going to fool Drew Brees with a lot of stuff on the back end. Those are kind of some of the hallmarks that the Chiefs defense is able to do to other teams. So I thought that this might be a little bit of a difficult matchup going into this week. Chiefs defense was phenomenal early. They really locked things up. It allowed the Chiefs offense to have you know, some false starts to have some moments where they weren't perfect. That's what you want to be able to do when you're going up against a good team like that. So I'm, I'm very, very happy coming out of this game with how the G Stephen played. Craig, I, I really feel like I'm going to get a similar answer to last week, but I feel I'm speaking for the fan base. When I ask, is this the week we see more of Willie Gay? 
Oh, man. I, I think it really realistically depends on if Anthony Hitchens is available off the COVID reserve list. Obviously, first and foremost, we hope that Anthony Hitchens and his family are all safe and healthy. Yeah, of course. If Anthony Hitchens can't go, Ben Neiman will be your Mike linebacker in the base defense and in the nickel defense. If Damian Wilson is also unable to go, which he did not practice today, then that would mean that Willie Gay would get the bulk of the reps in a lot of these lineups. So, yes, you would get to see more Woo! of Willie Gay Jr., but, uh, but, oh, big but if yeah. Anthony Hitchens is back, I would expect you're still going to see a lot of Ben Neiman in the nickel, although they are alternating some series between him and Willie Gay Jr. They're slowly working him in, but Anthony Hitchens has been the chief best linebacker this year, so you obviously do not want him missing this game. Right, to reiterate to those who've joined us since the beginning, Hitchens is on the COVID list, could return. We don't really know the details of it by the game. We will see. Yeah, so, Craig, let's talk about a guy named Legereus Sneed and what he makes for his team. Here's the question to you. Who's the most impactful rookie on this team, Clyde or Legereus? Man, it's got to be luxurious. Like, listen, I love Clyde, and I love what he's been able to do, and I'm looking forward to maybe him being back to the playoffs. We'll see for that. I think he adds a different element to this offense. But luxurious need not only started the season on a heater playing boundary corner while they were really waiting for Bashad Breeland to be free. Now he's stepped into that slot corner role. He's kicked inside. Like he's playing some linebacker on some of these nickel reps where they've got some condensed formations. That's freed up Tyron Matthew to do more. And what we've seen over the past three or four weeks is Tyron Matthew able to roam around a little bit more, be the chess piece that Steve Spagnuolo wants him to be. And it's resulted in a bunch of PBUs. It's resulted in a bunch of interceptions. We are seeing the best version of Tyron Matthew because Legereus Speak gets to occupy that slot role. So it's been, he's just been more impactful because he's meant more to what they can do on defense. It's given those guys the ability to move around a lot more, and we're seeing the impact that that creates because he's in the lineup. Got to write down the spicy storyline for the offseason, the Mackley Hill Award, the That's rookie right, the of Mac the year for the Chiefs. Will it be Clyde or Legereus who miss, missed a bunch of games? Craig, our defensive Don't film analyst. Turk Wharton either. <laughs> That's true, Turk Wharton. My Dan has looked nice and tired. All right, everyone, relax with, relax with Wharton and Dan, everybody. Everyone just relax. <laughs> Dan talk- didn't even go to the combine, okay, Pete. Okay, I, I know, I understand. It's a diamond in the rough. Talking to our defensive film analyst, Craig Stout. This was something I actually talked to Tyron Matthew about, but I'm curious what you've seen on the film. How far away do you think are the Chiefs to having this defensive championship swagger that they rolled into the playoffs with last year? I think they're close. I I think that the obvious concern is how they've been able to close out some of the games in the dime defense. Now, obviously we don't care as chiefs fans, if they allow a score with, you know, a minute and 30 seconds left, but they force the offense to take a bunch of time off of the clock. That's not a big deal, but that's not been the only times. It seems like when Spagnuolo gets up multiple scores, he goes into that dime defense that puts Ben Neiman and Dan Sorensen in the middle of the field, and teams just attack that middle of the field. They can't get stops when that happens. You're seeing a lot of teams go hurry up, a lot of teams going empty, spreading things out, and attacking the middle of the field, really targeting those two guys, and they've been able to move the ball. Now, 
Spagnolo early on doesn't use that defense as much. He uses it in third and long. They're much better there. But that's realistically the only place I think that they need to clean up. They've been much better in their base defense. They've been much better in their nickel defense. Like I said, Tyron Matthew is playing up to about the level that he was last year, you know, with the dropped interception and the blown coverage over the top, notwithstanding this past week. You're seeing them round into form in a really, really good way. If the pass rush comes up a little bit more, I think that you're feeling really, really, really good about where this defense is going into the playoffs. As far as the Atlanta Falcons are concerned, uh, Craig, and this is going to be this going to be a long game probably because there's going to be a lot of throws in this game. Sixty minutes probably. Yeah, they can't. What's that? No, you're right. No, they can't. They, they don't run the ball and they throw it all the time. They are the fourth best passing offense in the NFL. You know, there's questions of Julio Jones leaving me back this year, but. I'm wondering when watching, they did put up some nice points against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before they, well, they went Atlanta Falcon and blew the lead, which they'd love to do to Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady's got to be their, like, nemesis. I mean, they, they, I'd imagine so. That has to be the most hated player for Falcons Oh, my fans. goodness. But anyway, th- they do throw the ball at will. They like to do that. But what, what, do, you, what do you expect to see from the Falcons to kind of go against the Chiefs? Is it going to be a complete pass-heavy team for the Falcons? I think it's probably going to end up that way, especially as the game script kind of sorts itself out because the Falcons passing defense is not good. Like it's, it's really bad. Patrick Mahomes is going to have plenty of time to throw the ball. They don't really have a lot of rushers that can really handle things. And they don't really have a bunch of guys on the back end that can cover well enough against these weapons. So you're going to see the chiefs put up a lot of points. That's going to mean that the Falcons are going to try to put up a lot of points. So you're going to see them throwing a lot against the Chiefs. I, I just don't know, especially if Julio Jones is out, then you're going to be seeing a lot of Todd Gurley in the passing game, a lot of Calvin Ridley, who's a very good player, but not really the sort of danger men that, that you really think with. When you think about what the Chiefs defense has had to deal with at times, some of the offenses they played this year, that's not a particularly great offense especially if you force them into that pass-heavy offense. Craig Stout, defensive film analyst, arrowheadpride.com. Check out his fantastic work or his uh, breakdowns and review on Twitter, at Barley Hop. Craig, Merry Christmas to you and the family. Take care, my friend. Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks. All right. There you go, Craig, right there. Hey, did you say smell you later and all that stuff you did to me on the post game? Nice. I don't know why. Why I I didn't do it? I I thought it was an Arrowhead Pride thing. Just, just me. I like to like to give it to you on the the post game. <laughs> You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Your questions, fire them into the text line. Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer text line nine one three five seven six seven six ten. If you want to ask Peter I a question, we'll do that, and we'll talk about how the Chiefs are going to play in these next two games. What's their route with their starters? We do that next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery. Six ten Sports Radio. Back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery, Drew Binkley, and the editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. Chiefs-Falcons week, Pete. Big week. They could lose out, still have about a 76% chance to get the number one seed. They win. It's locked up. It's done. However, the Chiefs are going to get the one bye week. We know that. It's very important this year because yeah. only one bye per team. And 58 teams have made the Super Bowl since ninety with a bye week, and that's when there's been two of them. Right. And the last seven Super Bowls have been between the AFC and NFC, which every team had a bye week that made the Super Bowl. It's very Huge important. advantage. Huge advantage. But 
how how much do you want to rest your players? Because if you said, well, we're just going to rest them the next two, listen, the Chiefs probably could still beat the Falcons. And I, and I knock on wood because it's the NFL. The Rams lost to the Jets. I get it. But right. you feasibly could do it, especially, but you don't want almost three weeks or, you know, getting close to a month without playing your players. I, I, I don't know about you. I feel that they'll play the starters this game. This will be like a regular game. And they'll figure out what's what's gonna they they could know before they actually play whether they have it locked up or not. That's that's the thing. They could actually know if it's locked up or not um by the game. But the one thing too, Pete, is you know, this team I, I look for like a preseason game three style for the last one. Right. Like you you play your starter into the second quarter, then you pull them. Yeah, no, I I think what happens is this week is a regular game, as you said. And then if it goes the way we think it's going to go where the Chiefs win or one of these things happens where who knows in a weird scenario they lose, but they are able to lock it up anyway. I don't think you see the starters in week 17 unless there are a few that want to play. And that to me, you know, Travis Kelsey comes to mind. There have been scenarios in the past where Andy Reid can be convinced to let guys play a little bit if there are certain yardage and records that they want to go for. Travis Kelsey individually and I know this is not something that's emphasized by the Chiefs at the podium very often but he has a very very historical year uh, ahead of him and and who knows if he would want to play in a week 17 to try to be the only tight end He just needs 60 yards. I'm even saying you know to try, potentially be the only tight end in history to get the receiving record. I I think it's worth watching Hopkins and Diggs this weekend yep. for that. Uh, but yes, I I just think that the majority of starters will be resting week seventeen, if and when more like when this thing is locked up by Sunday. This is what Andy Reid answered when you asked him that question. Hey, coach, I, I know you guys are very close. Not trying to jinx anything here, but this may be the last time you have the starters <laughs> out there. What would you like to what see? What nothing to do with this question. that might make you feel more comfortable for the run here. Yeah, listen, I mean, I've, I haven't really gone there. Um, we're thinking we've got two games and we got to get ready for those games. So uh, against good football teams, that's the way we're approaching it. So, <clears throat> but every week we try to do the best we can. And, um, and so it's no different this week. I mean, we're going to try to play the best football we possibly can. And anything less than that, uh, you know, is unacceptable, right? I mean, that's just not where we're at. I'm looking forward to Andy Reid having that bye week. He's 19 and three after the bye week, six and two after the bye week in the postseason. Quickly on that answer, and it's something that I think you appreciate over time. He understands how things can get away from teams in the NFL and how there's quicksand and whatever. And sure. I think his counter attack on that is just taking it literally a day at a time. And it's got the Chiefs, you know, to the Super Bowl last year. It's got them to this one loss record this year, and I think he's pushing it forward. He's probably drilling into these guys because we got the other guys at the podium today too, and Tyron Matthew and Mahomes was up there and Eric Fisher, and as they were asked about potential bye weeks, they all kind of said the same thing. It's like we are not looking past, even today at all, we're not looking past the Falcons. So I think they're going to this gun-ho, and they're going to lock up the win, and then maybe then we could talk about a potential bye. From 913-576-7610, the text line Talk about the draft, you cowards. Pits or bust. <laughs> Offensive I line. I don't know if that was necessary. That's Pitts, my take on it. Pitts Offensive is going to be top line. nine. You going to trade down the top nine to get a tight end? Because that's where Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to the top ten. Just I know he's awesome. He would be Kyle Pitts would be the Florida tight end is dynamic. No, that he 
Tommy Townsend, you know, Florida Gators. I mean, it'd be a nice little fit, special the teams player of the week. The drop-off between Kelsey and the next tight end for this team is just incredible. So I would like to see them take a tight end at some point in this draft, but I think there are bigger needs. Per, uh, per James Palmer on Twitter, Travis Kelsey just needs 60 yards to break George Kittle's single-season uh, record for tight end. He also has 98 receptions, five shy of his own record for a single season, 103 or three in 2018. Machine. Two receptions shy of becoming the first tight end in NFL history with 100 plus receptions in multiple seasons. This guy's going to have every tight end record. And, you know, earlier this season, we we're talking like, is he the greatest of all time? Would you take Gonzalez or, or Kelsey? I think, I think the answer is Kelsey in every sense of the word. I mean, what you're seeing right in front of you. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it's not even close. I think what sometimes gets lost, too, is everyone just assumes that Gronk is just way older than Travis Kelsey. Gronk had an entire year off, and he is back, and they are nearly the same age. I think they're months apart. I know it sounds insane to sometimes think about. No, it, it, it is and, weird thinking about And Gronk is not productive at all, and he's in a similar age. So I think it just... Goes to show how Kelsey's taking care of his body, how he's keeping himself in shape past the age of 31. And there's no reason, at least right now, to think that production drops off because we've seen it at the tight end position before. One thing that uh, Patrick Mahomes addressed after the game, and I've, I've talked to a few different people on the shows about this various question. You know, people talking about the margin of victory, the style points. It's what people in the national media say. Well, they've only won game. The first team in the NFL with six straight wins. A touchdown or less. I didn't know if you knew that, but this is what they do. They right. win these close games, and I think it was ingrained last year in the postseason. Down 24, down 10, down 10. This is just what they do. Patrick Mahomes answered the question perfectly after the Saints game. you got to be able to win games in this league. I mean, that, that's, that, that's it at the end of the day. I mean, it looks cool, and it feels awesome to win by 20, 30 points, but when you have a team that can find a way to win with their offense, the defense, and special teams um, every single game and find a way to win no matter what the score is, those are the teams that make runs at the end of the year. Offense put up 32 points. If you think about it, they dominated the game statistically. It's not even close. But they put up 32 points against the fourth-best scoring defense. The defense held the Saints to 1 of 11 on third downs. And Tommy Townsend boomed a 6-1-yarder, pinned them three times inside the 20, and became the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. But he's right. It's wins and losses, your division record, your conference record. There's no style points column for yeah. wins. National media has to make it interesting, so they're looking for any holes that they can poke. What I think is sometimes lost nationally is that even if they win by one possession, they're still winning. I mean, we saw them down by 10 points in the playoffs. They can win by one point in every game win. last year. Now, I think it would be nicer and a, I think, calming experience if they're able to beat the Falcons by more than one score, as they should. They're a better football team. But if they don't, they don't. I mean, they're still going to have a bye week and it's one possession, you, the win is still counts. And if you win by one possession for three games in the playoffs, you're still the champions. It's not going to make a difference. So I, I think it is a little bit overblown. Well, we have a comment here from the 347. I believe that's our uh, New York listener. <laughs> oh, Will the Chiefs cover the spread this week, Pete? Yeah, thank you to my dad. That's all that he cares about since he's a, a big gambler. And I've told him every week the Chiefs are going to cover the spread. I've been wrong, what, six weeks in six, a row? Weeks and I'm going to go for seven. Why not go for seven? I'm going to say that they'll win by ten and a half. How much money are you costing your dad? Probably hundreds, I would guess. Just take it away from his uh, Christmas present. Yeah, take Pete. it right out of the, the Christmas present. That's a good That's a good idea. I mean, if he's going to do that to you. 
Right. You think they'll, they'll win by 11 points? Yeah, I do. I do. These Falcons, remember early in the season, we used to left because the fourth quarter leads they were blowing. Remember the lead that Dallas they blew? And they blow that lead. They're doing the same thing. Raheem Morris actually had this team looking somewhat respectable there for a while, but they're back to their Falcons' ways. Well, I think whenever you get a coach that's trying to win a job, I mean, not every interim coach that's in the league right now is going to be considered for that head coach job, but I think Morris is different, and it seems like he's been a real big motivating factor for uh, this team in, in Atlanta. Got 45 seconds left, Pete. This one comes from the 816. Me, where does enemy end up? <laughs> right now, your best guess. I want to say L.A., Maybe the Chargers. That's what I was saying early in the season. They were on the bye. It's like they're going to can Lynn. I think this maybe is, the this Char- is everybody's saying it now, but I don't know how you could stick with Lynn after his track record. It, it, he's such a liked guy in that organization, but he's cost them so many close wins. He's a special teams coach now. They missed two field goals down the stretch. This has been Arrowhead Pride Radio. Huge thanks to editor in chief Pete Sweeney, Julio Sanchez for producing, Craig Stout, Kent Swanson, the Arrowhead Pride crew. Good night, everybody. Ciao. Big good night next.